Peace from him who is, who was, and who is coming. Amen. Our text is our lesson from Ephesians chapter 1. Dear friends in Christ, what's happened to all those gifts that you got for Christmas? Maybe the gift certificates or money you've spent already. Maybe some gifts that kids got, they're broken already. Some returned, some used up, batteries wore out already. You might even lament the fact that things just don't seem to last as much as they used to. But then do you actually have something that you got as a gift as a child that has endured all the years and still is as good as new? And you think about if you do have something, how long is it going to last? Forever? Well past your years on this earth? Things wear out. They break. They become obsolete. They no longer serve a purpose. Heirlooms, yeah, sometimes we save those, but for what purpose? Memories, nostalgia, maybe an investment for the future. While many people fix their focus on stuff, how important is the stuff? And what ha eventually happens to it? We can say it becomes meaningless as King Solomon observed in Ecclesiastes, meaningless, meaningless, says a teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. And that's if you put it all in, in true perspective and context. Because if the things of this world are what drives you, and they are your happiness, and that's all you have in this life, it truly is meaningless. Because at some point, you won't have all that stuff. St. Paul wrote about what is really important in our text today. And the emphasis is not on the earthly, but the heavenly. And therefore, enjoy God's blessings forever. Our text begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, heavenly places. We can say to God be the glory, and may he be blessed because of what he has accomplished through Jesus. Spiritual blessings, that's what abounds, that's what we truly need, and they all come from heaven. And we say the main blessing is, of course, that forgiveness of sins through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In verse 7, it tells us, In him we also have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in keeping with the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good purpose, which he planned in Christ. This was to be carried out when the time had fully come in order to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Last Sunday's scripture reading from Galatians chapter 4 reminded us that God had everything all figured out. He planned it all, and at the right time, he sent his son into the world to redeem us, to save us from our sins. And now, as a result, we have that forgiveness. The mystery is that God willingly sent his son to take our place and save us from our sins. And because we have been forgiven, that, that relational barrier between us and God has been removed. And, and as a result, we've been adopted, adopted into his family. In our text, he did this when he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world 
so that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. He did this in accordance with the good purpose of his will and for the praise of his glorious grace, which he has graciously given us in the one he loves. In a recent devotion posted online, the writer had this to say about that wonderful adoption process. I was adopted into my family. My brother was born naturally into it. I am the executor of my parents' estate, so I have seen their will. It's split evenly between the children. I am receiving the same inheritance that my natural-born brother is receiving. Isn't that remarkable? As remarkable as my inheritance from my parents is, the inheritance Christians receive is far more remarkable. The Bible says that although Jesus is God's natural-born son, while Christians are adopted sons and daughters, they still receive the wonderful inheritance. And we'll talk about that inheritance a little bit later in the sermon. But I want to focus on that perception he had concerning his adoption process. And that's a process that God carried out because we were naturally born in sin, that we were not part of God's family. St. Paul wrote about that sinfulness in Romans chapter 8. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And then in our sinful condition, we are actually enemies of God, not wanting to know God. And in Colossians, it states at one time, you were alienated from God and hostile in your thinking as expressed through your evil deeds. But you know that alienation all changed. When Jesus came to this earth and, and sacrificed himself, when Jesus came and died on the cross and suffered the punishment for our sins, God looked at those things that Jesus had done, his perfection, his sacrifice, and he said, I'm going to adopt all these people, all these people that will believe in me. God chose us to be his children. It wasn't anything that we had done. It was all what Jesus had done for us. An adopted child is one who is loved as though that child was born into a family. We were born into sin, and God took us in as part of his family. And he has shown us his love by telling us that we will be saved. Our status changed so that God looks at us as part of his natural family now. The Bible continuously tells us that it's through faith that we've been saved. Faith in Jesus Christ as a Savior. Not faith in ourselves, not faith in anybody else, but faith in Jesus as the Savior. And when God looked at the perfection of Jesus, he gave that to us as well. And, you know, sometimes we have to ask that question. It's another part of the mystery. Why would God do that? Why would he accept us into his family when all we do is grumble, complain, disobey, ignore, and rebel against God? Well, kind of think about it in human standards. There are some children that are like that, and parents can still love them, even what they do. And you think about the parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son, and the, showing the willingness of that father to take his son back unconditionally, and that's what God does for us. He takes us back unconditionally without any effort on our part. He just tells us to leave, accept it. 
And you think about that beloved Bible passage that we know so well, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's so memorable because we realize the fact that God is speaking to us as individuals and telling us, you're part of my family. As an adopted child, we don't have to wonder about God's unconditional love. We don't have to wonder if God might change his mind sometime in the future. The child that's adopted has a totally different viewpoint from one who is merely in foster care or an orphan that's abandoned because the, the adopted child knows I can go to my parent at any time and my parent's going to take care of me and provide what I need to survive. Luther makes that point in the meaning of, of the first part of the Lord's Prayer. What does this mean with these words? God tenderly invites us to believe that he is our true father and that we are his true children so that we may pray to him as boldly and confidently as dear children ask their dear father. We can always go to God in prayer. We can always go to him with our concerns and he's not going to abandon us or leave us. Jesus even stated, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is certainly a, a true blessing that it's not afforded to the unbelievers, those who have forsaken God and, and looked in other places, they've turned their hearts from him. They haven't been adopted into the family of God and well the child who is not adopted has no family ties they have no security but as children that have been adopted into God's family we have that security in knowing that God has given us everything that we need in this life and into the life of come to come and so you see we can enjoy God's blessings forever knowing that he will never forsake us never disown us and then there's that second part of the adoption process. And, and as the result of being adopted, we have an inheritance. We are heirs of his salvation. Salvation, it's the deliverance or de preservation from something that's going to harm or ruin us. And in our case, it's the deliverance from the threat of hell for the punishment of our sins, deliverance from the clutches of hell. And that's why St. Paul writes in our text, in him we have also obtained an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in keeping with the purpose of his will. He did this so that his glory would be praised as a result of us who were the first to hope in Christ. In him, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and in him when you also believed, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment for our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession so that his glory would be praised. It's all because of Jesus that we have that inheritance. We didn't do anything to earn it. In fact, we did everything to nullify, nullify or neg negate it. But God looked through the eyes of Jesus and saw us as redeemed, as forgiven, as declared to be his children. And that's what we have to look forward to. 
In one of Jesus' parables, he stated, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, a kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Jesus gives us that thought that already from the beginning of time, God had it figured out that, that you and I would be saved. Now that doesn't mean that the predestination is that, okay, well I, now I'm saved, now I'm going to do whatever I want. No, it means that we have that comfort. We have that joy in knowing, yes, I am saved. And we can be happy that we know that we have been forgiven, that we've been adopted in his family, and we are inherit in heirs of eternal life. And so we can enjoy God's blessings forever, starting now. Knowing that heaven is our home, we don't have to figure out how we're going to get there. We don't have to live each day wondering if God might or might not let us into heaven. We have that promised Savior. We worshipped him on his birthday. Righteousness, peace, and eternal life, that's our inheritance. Sometimes we marvel at these great gifts, but we also give praise to him for what he has done for us. St. Paul wrote to the Galatians, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir. We learn to ignore all the sinful things that are around us, and we keep focusing on Jesus and our eternal life. And we think about how the life of sin and debauchery is something that we can push aside because we know that there's something better waiting for us. We don't have to look at the world and think, what would it be like if I could just live like everybody else, all the people that don't believe? And then we realize, no, I don't need to do all that stuff. I can do what God wants. I'm part of his family. And we are heirs of his salvation. Why would you want to throw all that away for temporal pleasures? We inherit what Jesus won from the cross, complete and total forgiveness for each and every sin. We feel that weight lifted off of our shoulders when we take part in that body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the sacrament to the altar. It's a constant reminder of what Jesus did to save us from our sins and that when we take part in that as a family of believers, we know we're all part of that family and we're all going to get that wonderful inheritance of eternal life. To continue the devotion that I mentioned earlier, the writer stated, what will that inheritance include? It starts with the forgiveness of our sins. This was purchased not with gold or silver, but with the holy precious blood and in his innocent suffering and death. Everyone connected to Jesus by faith receives that forgiveness more precious than any earthly inheritance. Our spiritual inheritance continues with the resurrection from the dead. Our actual souls and our actual bodies, separated at death, will come together again. The disciples saw it happen with Jesus, and they realized that it would also happen to them. Our bodies will be glorified, ageless, unable to die. It's an amazing inheritance, and that inheritance continues with heaven. That's where the Son of God lives. And you think about an eternal existence without any sorrow or pain in the company of all those who have been adopted into the family of Jesus. Yes, Jesus, our brother, is preparing our place for us right now. And so we can enjoy God's blessings forever, starting now. Why wait? It's a gift that is not going to wear out. It's not going to get used up. It's not going to fall apart. It's not going to get returned. And, and the batteries are not going to go dead. 
God gifted, gifted us with a Savior. We celebrate his birthday 12 days ago. He was born. He lived. He died. He rose. He ascended. And now is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. In the midst of change and decay all around us with the passing of time, isn't it wonderful to know that we have a Savior that never changes and that we can continue to live in his grace, confidence of his presence and his blessing as we contemplate our eternal future in heaven. Enjoy God's blessings forever. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith.